With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I am your host, Jake Rip. You can find me on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. And of course, joining me as always, folks, you know him, you love him. You can find him on Twitter at KyleMonth8. But he's on this show every single week, all year round. Please give a big round of applause for Mr. Kyle August. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that kind intro, as always, Jake. <laughs> yes, man. They love you. You hear the people out there? That's That's got to be a, That's got to be the people. That's got to be legitimate. There's no way we doctored that up because I, all we get is just good compliments about, you know, my hosting abilities after last week. So I don't, you know, hopefully you're getting that mail as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Capacity crowd. And, and you can tell they're all excited to have Kyle here. You know what? It's been a while since you and I actually like did the the solo. I don't want to say solo, but just you and I on the show. It's been a lot of guests, and uh, you were off the one day with you moving. So this 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 feels like it's a, the first time all over again. Yeah, I fired. We fired up old YouTube's here, and I clicked. Uh, I was like going through. I'm like, oh, I can actually put the the SmackDown thing here because there's just two of us. Because we had some great guests uh, uh, over pre draft, and then we had the the mock draft last week. So yeah, I was thinking the same thing before we started up there. Cause I'm just like, man, it's been a while since Jake and I have just been able to chat a bit. So I'm looking forward to just hanging out with you today as we uh, dive into some rankings here. Yeah. And Kyle, you just mentioned it. You can take your fantasy football SmackDown experience to the next level by simply subscribing to the dynasty Warzone YouTube channel and joining Kyle and myself every single Monday night. As we scratch and crawl our way through this offseason, trying to be as prepared as we can be uh, once draft season starts to approach. But that all starts now with the uh, with the NFL draft in the books. We can officially start doing our real rankings. We had that rankings episode of uh, what just before the NFL draft. But um, now that we have a little bit of context, some landing spots, uh, we can really, really hone in on the, the impact that these players are going to be making. Uh, and this episode is all about the impact of the 2021 rookie landing spots. We'll cover quarterbacks and running backs uh, tonight, and the next week we'll uh, hit all those hit all those wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. I was wondering if you, if you were going to drop it that way, but I you know it. what? I take that back. Maybe there is another tight end of consequence because I hear Jacksonville is adding an, a new oh, tight end. No, no, Jake, <laughs> don't do it. Tim, we got, he's back in the league. Where does he rank, Kyle, in your dynasty rankings? We got Jake ESPN Rip on the case here. My God, I'm so glad that I, I mean, I used to be a big sports center guy and it's, I'm, I'm not as much anymore just because I don't have, it doesn't fit into my schedule now. Right. And I used to listen to a ton of talk radio. Don't do that anymore. You know, it's just like, I try to listen to podcasts as often as possible and that is the one thing I remember, like all of the Tebow mania and that and I'm I'm so glad that that is on 
away from me at this moment. So no, I'm, I'm not diving into that. People are freaking out on Twitter one way or the other. I mean, it's, it's funny, man. It's a good story, whatever. If he contributes, that's great. But like I saw, um, the pick six podcast, which is a CBS football show, uh, not focused on fantasy, but their social media team is awesome. And they always post like funny things like that relates to the news or whatever. And they said, uh, Tim Tebow's only target. And they, and it showed a video of him on the jets. Mark Sanchez drops back. Tim, Tim Tebow's coming in motion. Mark Sanchez drops back, throws it to Tebow in the flat and hits Tebow right in the head, like (laughs) right in the face. Like, like this dude, sorry, Timmy, like you should have converted to a tight end, you know, eight years ago, uh, a little too late here, but dude, the guy, the dry, the guy uh, brings ratings as far as the news goes. So good for him, you know, just getting that paycheck. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the move is, or at least the way Urban Meyer pitched it to the uh, the upper office guys was that they want him in there to be more of a locker room kind of guy. Do you think he actually gets any reps out there, though? Or do you think it's more of like a Mets situation where they're like, we'll keep him in the minor leagues. It's cute and all, but we'll, we'll keep, keep him off to the side. Yeah, there. I don't think there's any way this guy even makes the team even. like. I, I think Urban Meyer is doing his buddy a favor. It would have been the same exact way as if he brought Alex Smith in, you know, to – you know, just be in the locker room now they're, you know, they're, they have some young guys on that offense or whatever, but again, like what is, what is Tim Tebow going to teach them? He's right. not a good quarterback. He doesn't really, he's not a tight end. You know, he's hopefully will just offer some experience on, you know, how to be a, you know, a professional, I guess. And, and, you know, by all accounts, he's a decent dude. So maybe he can share that with his uh, comrades for the time being, but my God, I can't believe you brought up Tim Tebow on the show. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. So I guess that's enough Tim Tebow talk for the day. I was I was gonna save Tebow for tight ends tomorrow, but maybe we'll just get it. He might tip. be cut by then, so <laughs> you better get it in now. It's getting good. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's get into uh, some of this rankings talk here and see where uh, where things are switching up because. Uh, you and I were talking just before we jumped on here, and the drafts are running wild, man. People are excited that the uh, all the rookies have their teams. I'm in a league with you right now where we're drafting with the Australians. Yes. And a half a league of Americans and a half a league of Australians. I'm in another league where, and, and this is wild, but someone approached me on Twitter. I saw and, this. I saw that this. They're starting an all Jake league. Every single person, I think it's 10 team league, 10 or 12 team league. Everyone's Jake. Everyone's Jake from fantasy football Twitter, which is a little, little different than Jake from state farm. Not as many khakis, but you know, uh, I mean, it, it's it's different, man. It's hey. it's the first for me, dude. That and that, I did see that tweet. Uh, I haven't been on there a whole ton recently, um, but I did see that you tweeted that out that you were in this league. And, and in all honesty, it's funny because I've met other people named Kyle on Fantasy Football Twitterverse, and that is one of the reasons why when I changed my Twitter handle, I didn't want to remove Kyle from my handle because i want him like i want to make sure i could still identify you know with all those great kyles out there in the fantasy industry so yeah. but uh that i thought that was hilarious so you'll have to keep us updated on how that how that's going but well, if it works out man i think that could be really uh interesting story on you know how leagues start it's always fun to hear that one is a new one for me but it, it's uh that's pretty awesome listen you said it yourself there's plenty of kyles out there who are who are good at this or so on fantasy twitter they're just waiting for you to start the league so i say you get a move on that i'm starting too many damn leagues that's my problem so i'm I, we're already in starting another uh reality sports online league i roped you into it so trying to fill that one out but of course like our boy addison hit me up he's like oh, i really want to try this i heard you done it and i was like yeah 
He's like, all right, uh, just let me know when it's be- when it starts. I'm like, what the hell, dude? Like, aren't you going to commission? I tried like spinning like, hey, man, I'll help you out. You know, I don't want to commission any more leagues. <laughs> and here I am, the commissioner. So, yes, it's, uh, it's all it's all fun, man. And this time of year is a, a ton of fun. And if I could if I would just say one thing to you guys out there, like, I know it gets so tough not to get caught up in all this rookie hype and like wanting to draft these players. And as someone that usually uses these draft picks as currency rather than actually being the one to press the button, it stinks when you're, when you don't have anyone to nope, you don't have any picks, but man, like I've had some offers where I'm just like, I know I could draft this guy and it would be really great and satisfying to click the draft button on him. But you got to look at this sometimes and man, like, and when you get an offer, you really got to consider it and try to take it out, take the feelings out of it. I got an offer today. It was a 201 in a 10 team league. So, I mean, it's still 11 overall, really solid. I got offered a second next year and a first for that pick. And I was like, and I was like, man, why, why is this so hard? This would be a slam dunk. Like take this. And as soon as I hit accept, just the relief was like, okay, yeah, that was the right pick, the right way to go. But the, you can't, you can't underestimate the feeling you know, that you have this time of year with all these rookie picks in this draft. And the minute you leave the draft, dude, all these values are going to change. It's just craziness right now. So just don't get too caught up in it, but enjoy the ride because it's a good time of year. No, yeah, you're right. Right now, rookie fever is just running rampant. Uh, You can get a king's ransom right now during the draft. The second you go on the clock, someone will send you their entire team for pick 110. Uh, yeah. yeah, and when, what it comes down to is there's not that much certainty that 110 is even going to be a slam dunk. I mean, we don't know that Jamar Chase is going to be a slam dunk. You, you didn't hear that from me, but... Anyways, I hope he is. I've already I paid up for him. I hope he is. Let's get into some rankings here. We're talking about rookies. Let's just head right into these rookie quarterbacks because last time we talked about our rankings, uh, I think we each ranked Trevor Lawrence because we pretty much knew how that was going to play out. Um, but now we got a little more context. We got Trey Lance to San Francisco, uh, Justin Fields to Chicago. We don't know if Mac Jones starts or if there's even going to be a quarterback competition or what's going to go on in New England. Uh, and of course, Mr. Zach Wilson joining the Jets. I'm curious right off the bat how you would rank these quarterbacks for seasonal redraft purposes let's just assume they all start mac jones is starting justin fields is starting zach wilson is starting um what order would you take these guys and is trevor lawrence a slam dunk because i'm just not sure he is on on this list yeah the so and i touched on this a little bit so i was on the rookie rundown last night with memphis and a few of the other guys from the warzone network that was a lot of fun super flex two three round rookie mock drafts so if you missed that show on monday and you're not subscribed for whatever reason the warzone you got to check that one out it was a good time but i mentioned like in super flex i think t-, t lawrence whether it's dynasty and then heading into 2020 like in super flex i think lawrence is the right call because you know for sure he's starting right away his weapons are solid you know they gave him they drafted ETN in the first round to add to Chark and LaVisca. Um, and they brought in uh, Marvin Jones, the veteran presence, you know, there. So I, I like I like what how it sets up for Lawrence out of the gate. In a one QB dynasty league, I made the argument that Fields or Lance could be that pick because I think their upside is huge, right? Like I think Lawrence, you know, yeah, he could be the next Andrew Luck and all that. But I think when you look at Fields or Lance, like, could their ceiling be even higher? Their floor might be lower, but the, could their ceiling be higher in those types of leagues? So when a one QB league, especially like it's worth taking that risk. I think, you know, um, I was staring down that decision in a league and I ended up trading out, but like 
I was I was going to lean trade Lance in a dynasty, you know, rookie draft just because over Lawrence because I thought I had more upside. For redraft 2020, though, I think when you look at Fields, Lance, um, Wilson's going to start right away. I think I think that's pretty clear um, for the Jets, but I would still keep Lawrence at the top. I think his weapons are really solid. I think he's the unquestioned starter right now. Um, so I, I bumped him up in my rankings. I had him at uh, 21. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't know the landing spot or, you know, and it's not like they added a ton, like ETN was a great ad, I think, but it was just, I bumped him over some guys that I think are not going to throw the ball as much like Ryan Tannehill, Kirk cousins. And in combination with that, like, especially Ryan Tannehill, he was a guy that we talked about this off season already. They didn't add anything. Like they didn't give him any help. So like, that was an easy jump for me to just like, all right, I think I'd take Lawrence. I think he could throw the ball. 600 times, you know, versus Tannehill's going to throw the ball 450 times, right? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I'm going to go that route. So I would go Lawrence, one of the rookies, and then I would lean Fields at two just because I think he has a little clearer path to playing time there with uh, Andy Dalton coming in as a new free agent ad. So I went Lawrence Fields, one, two. Um, which way would you go? So I'm not a, a thousand percent sold right now on Trevor Lawrence over Trey Lance because I think that there's just there's a really good chance that Lance might just be the next great rushing quarterback in this league and San Francisco has him set up right now just in, in such a good spot to succeed. But I, I do have Trevor Lawrence just barely ahead of him for now. He's still my guy if we're talking redraft. I like him around like the QB 16 area. Where'd you say you had him ranked? I, I have him at 15. Okay. So we're we're pretty close. So. I mean, it, it's definitely outside that range where, you know, you're going to have everybody in your team. Every, everybody's league is going to have one or two guys like, you know, reach on their back up a little bit. So Lawrence is going to be somebody that based off our rankings, I think could be available towards the back end and uh, of your draft. And if you don't like if you went if you took a little bit of a risk with like uh, Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts, which Jake and I both had ranked inside our top, just inside our top 12, um, you know, back in April when we looked at these rankings, you know, I think Lawrence is a fine guy to kind of pair with those of like a pretty safe floor you know from a fancy perspective so that's why i ended up with him at 15 yeah and i like the floor but i mean ultimately what i'm shooting for with trevor lawrence is i'm hoping he is the next greatest quarterback in the league i'm hoping he's andrew luck 2.0 mm-hmm. uh and that's why i kind of like him in that area like right after i got tom brady and matt ryan and joe burrow all right before trevor lawrence but after that like you said i think you have him above Kirk cousins and uh mm-hmm. ben roethlisberger it's like now we're getting into those names that aren't as exciting you kind of know, like I, I hate to say they have a ceiling but they kind of do mm-hmm. uh so i'd rather shoot for the upside in a guy like lawrence mm-hmm. um as opposed to you know kirk cousins who's pretty much the definition of average you flip the average in the dictionary and there's there's kirk cousins uh, team photos sitting right there captioned you like that after I mean, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i miss those days with that kirk cousins i feel like he doesn't have that any, that kind of swagger anymore i don't know why and the dude just had a great season actually like you know but you mentioned like average like that is my line whenever i'm doing my rankings i'm like if they're below kirk cousins i'm definitely not drafting them in one qb yeah. leagues like they will be because even if i did they're gonna be right back on the wire you know later on so when you're looking for a bi-week replacement like the, the teams that drafted those guys like Baker Mayfield or even Ben Roethlisberger or whatever, like those guys will be back on the wire, you know, by the time you need a QB replacement. <laughs> uh, I, I said, I do have Trey Lance right after Trevor Lawrence. I have Lawrence right now as my QB 16 and then Trey Lance as QB 18. He slots in for me. And these numbers aren't like concrete or anything yet. I'm still going to move them around plenty as I'm sure you will, mm-hmm. but he slots in somewhere between like Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield for me is sort of that spot where like, like I said before, you're not really enthusiastic anymore about any of these quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, Derek Carr. I'd rather 
just swing for the fences with Trey Lance, who, if he hits, could end up being one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the league, or at least for fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, going into an offense loaded with playmakers, I think it's going to be very, very tough for defenses to stop this Kyle Shanahan offense. Now, with the addition of a dual-threat quarterback, I think it's going to cause all sorts of problems for defenses. Um, but, I mean, Trey Lance, he's, he's a little bit of a wild card. He doesn't have a whole lot of... Uh, I don't know, I guess a, a whole lot of tape to go off of. Really, he can he's a, he's got a wide range of outcomes. He can finish anywhere from QB4 to QB30 and I wouldn't be shocked either way. Uh, I, I- I like that. I like where you have them there. I mean, like if you're, especially like if you're looking at a super flex league, whether it's fields or Lance, I have, I have them ranked right. You know, it, I have fields at 19 Lance at 24 right now. Uh, But I think those are some guys, like if you're in a super flex league, I don't mind taking a shot on those players and then come back, you know, you're going to have to get a QB three a little, you're going to have to prioritize that, you know, like whether, you know, you feel good about Sam Darnold, whether Tua is still somebody you feel comfortable with as your QB two, like you draft those guys with the upside where you're like, hey, by weeks four or five or whatever, maybe they're the starter and then they're balling, right? You're going to have to find somebody to kind of weather that storm through the first month or so. Um, I think like it, if, you, if you're taking Kirk Cousins or Ben Rosberg, like when you draft that third QB, you're just like, okay, I want to play this guy twice a year, right? Like on the bye weeks and that's it. But when you when you go the route of taking one of these high upside rookie quarterbacks for 2020 redraft purposes, like you kind of have to prioritize that QB three in super flex leagues. But I totally get what you're saying there. Like the weapons for Lance are great. And if I knew that both fields and Lance were the starter by week four, I think that would be the way I would go as well. Just because I think that San Francisco is freaking loaded and they have Kyle Shanahan fields is super interesting to me, but it's like, I I'm, I don't know. I'm not a Darnell Mooney guy. Like just because he's a warm body in, in an offense doesn't mean that that's a weapon. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a Rob the end, you know, in Chicago for me. So like, that's the only concern I have with fields, even though we're obviously hoping for rushing production, but like, yeah, I think if, if it was all even, I would probably be leaning your way, but I think I'd give fields the edge because I think he'll be the starter quicker. I'm curious when the Niners selected Trey Lance, did you adjust any of the San Francisco playmakers in your rankings? I mean, it's hard to make, put George Kittle any higher than he is. Uh, but Debo, Brandon, Ayuk, did that, you know, do they move up at all with, uh, Trey Lance taking over for Jimmy G presumably? Not, not for me. And we're, um, I'm still kind of early on through the wide receiver rankings a bit. You know, we were obviously focused on these today, so I did start those, but I, when I looked at, it, I was like, you know what? I didn't really have a lot of high hopes for Jimmy G. I think Lance does have a higher upside, you know, himself, but from a, from his impact on this uh, on the pass catchers, like I just don't know what to expect. So I'm gonna kind of just uh, ride the fence there a little bit. You know, I think Ayuk has some really nice upside. Samuel's kind of a you know a bye week filler type guy anyway for me. So I, I kind of kept him pretty stagnant. Like A Rob, I've actually you know I didn't move him up necessarily like up my rankings, but I moved him up into a tier because I was just like, all right, I feel like if he gets Fields, can't be any worse, you know, <laughs> than than where he was at before. So. Uh, long term, I'm hopeful for those guys, but for 2020, I was still kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm unfortunately, I'm just gonna have to wait and see. And if I land those guys on my team, I'll be waiting and seeing on the, my team. If they're not on my team, then they'll, you know, I I'm not willing to take that risk yet, I guess. I've got, uh, Justin Fields sitting around QB 23 and, you know, had he been drafted third overall into San Francisco, I think he'd be my QB one in this class from both a redraft perspective and dynasty as well. Like, mm-hmm. 
I know Trevor Lawrence is awesome. We've all heard that same song and dance, but man, I, I just, I love the talent of Justin Fields when he was playing at Ohio state. And then the thought of that meshing with San Francisco, it seemed like a match made in heaven. I still thought, you know, even when they were getting ready to announce the name at the podium, I was like, they're, they're going to go Justin Fields here. They're not going to, they're not going to take Trey Lance. They're not going to take Mac Jones. It's going to be Fields, but uh, now here we are. Justin Fields, now a member of the Chicago Bears. It's really not the worst situation the Fields could have landed in, but like you said, the big headline there is that Allen Robinson appears to have finally found himself a competent quarterback. Uh, Allen Robinson was my wide receiver 17, and I am going to be bumping him up a couple slots. Uh, he, he's now nestled in comfortably as my wide receiver 13, uh, splitting up the Minnesota boys right between Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. But, I mean, if Justin Fields is that guy who's going to unlock the true potential of Allen Robinson, because he's had nothing but stinkers. You, you, know, you, know, you know the Allen Robinson story. He's, going back to college, he has never had a half-decent quarterback. Like, we were talking about Andy Dalton being the best quarterback that he's ever had <laughs> yes. until, they, until they moved up and got Justin Fields. Uh, but if, if Fields is the guy that ends up unlocking this new – elite more elite Allen Robinson than wide receiver 13 where I have him is going to turn out to be an absolute steal in fantasy drafts. Uh, I, I wish I would have wrote this down. I, you had Allen Robinson higher than me in our rankings. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but do you, do you, uh, would you move him up uh, with uh, Justin Fields as the new quarterback fields is the guy under center. Yeah, I'd have to I have to double back through. I don't have it in front of me um, exactly where he's ranked number wise. But for me, he was kind of in that uh, before this, he was kind of, he was in that high upside wide receiver two tier. Um, for me, he finished as a low end wide receiver one last year, which obviously really solid. The target numbers were unbelievable, um, but there were just more guys I liked as far as upside. You know, I if I had to put my money on it, I still would have had a Rob, you know, as a top 12 guy. But there were just a few guys where I'm like, man, I think these ceilings are a little bit higher. Um, but now with Fields being there, I bump him, him into as, that tier. You do have him as wide receiver eleven. Oh, so there we go. So I, I, I think for me, it just tier wise, he jumps into that. He solidifies himself into that. He's a wide receiver one for me um, this season. He's got that. He's got that upside with Fields. So it, it's definitely more exciting, you know, than knowing that Andy Dalton is going to be throwing him passes. So. What about Mac Jones? Let's play with the hypothetical that he actually, if he is the starter. Well, first off, what are the actual odds that you think that he actually ends up winning the job in camp? Like, as of now, I'm going into this thinking it's Cam Newton all the way. Mac Jones is probably not playing at all this season. That's the way I look at it. I don't think that's the right move because uh, mm -hmm. you know my take on Cam Newton. I think he stinks. He does stink. And Mac Jones can only be marginally worse. Uh, but how do you think they're, they're going to approach this heading into the regular season? Yeah, I, th I think it's a pretty small chance that he wins the job out of the gate. And, you know, what they they like can't like, you know, them bringing him back, even though that, you know, when you look at the money out really breaks down, it's not a ton. I believe it was five million guaranteed um, for him this next in 2021, um, you know, but they had the op they had the option to just not bring him back at all. And they could have gone other routes, um, you know, but they decided to bring Cam back in. Uh, so I do think he's going to get the first crack at it again. Um, and I think ideally for them, you know, they'd be able to roll with cam this year and sit kind of redshirt Mac Jones, like, like you mentioned. So I think it's pretty unlikely that Jones gets the start starting job out of the gate. With that being said, like I would still be drafting him in super flex leagues, um, you know, and put and put him on the end of my roster just to see, um, I know the NFL schedule comes out later this week and 
I mean, for some ungodly reason, ESPN, I think has like a five hour, you know, tell it, you know, telethon or whatever to share us, you know, to just release the damn schedule. So we'll see where the new England bye week lines up. But what I usually like to do with like teams that have young quarterbacks coming in is if there's an early bye week, sometimes you can kind of target that as like, Hey, you know, if they want to make the switch here, if they have a week five bye or week six bye week, like maybe they see where they're at after those first four or five games, make the switch at quarterback, give them two weeks, prepare as the starter, and then roll them out there. So we'll see how this, how it plans out for uh, New England schedule. But yeah, Mac Jones is of the five quarterbacks. He's the one that I'm least confident in him seeing, you know, playing time in 2020. Well, I was going to talk another second about Mac Jones, but that's a beautiful segue into uh, Zach Wilson because through this entire draft process, man, I have just, I've failed to understand what it is that makes Zach Wilson so special. Like, I never thought he was the right pick at number two overall, even though it appears he's been the Jets guy like the entire time. No doubt about it. Um, it I don't know. if I don't know, man, if it's the pretty boy vibes that he gives <laughs> off or if it's the like false sense of confidence when he goes out on the NFL draft stage and he starts hooting and hollering about how he's going to take the Jets to the Super Bowl. And I mean... Yeah. I don't. I don't know, man. I, but and, 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 you know, I know that Adam Gaze is gone, and it's going to be a full new regime. But it's something about that green jersey, man. You throw on that green jersey, and it's, it, I, I get nervous. Um, I, 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 there's nothing that sticks out to me on his tape. Again, I'm not a film watcher, but I just don't see what that X factor is that makes Zach Wilson the number two pick in the draft. I don't know why he's the guy over. Justin Fields or uh, Trey Lance or even mm-hmm. I mean I don't know what he does better than Mac Jones I mean there's gonna be a lot of college guys that are gonna come after me for that but I I don't get it um, but second overall I mean I've got him right now is like QB I actually wrote QB thirty ish uh, but I'll be I'll be very surprised if I end up taking the L on this one this has major Sam Darnold vibes over the from the past couple of years if you catch my drift what do you think about Zach Wilson. <laughs> I, you know, from the, from the standpoint of comparing Zach Wilson now in the Jets to, you know, the quarterback situation and what the Jets were in the last few years is the Jets have already get done more for Zach Wilson than they ever did for Sam Darnold. You know, they, you know, Mims never really got going last year. He was a second round pick. I get that. But, you know, bringing in Corey Davis, you know, on a pretty decent free agency contract was a solid addition. You know, him coming off, he can come in and be a two. Um, But then also landing Elijah Moore at the beginning of the second round. Um, gives him another weapon. They've added on that offensive line as well, trading up into round one to get an offensive lineman around him. So I, I think I like you know where he's at better than if he would have just if he had you know been forced to play with what this team looked like in 2020. But I agree with you. I don't think he's an. It was it was really weird, you know, from the outside looking in. Like of all the baits that we all had about what San Francisco was going to do at three, like it was just Zach Wilson forever at two. Like no one ever decided that they should have checked some, you know, on somebody else. Um, so I, I agree with you from there. And I, that's why I think it's like in dynasty leagues, it's super flex. Like when you have that, you know, one Oh four, we were talking about before the show, like that one Oh four to one Oh six, like Wilson is just like the safest probably. Cause he's a quarterback and qu- quarterbacks are really hard to get, but like his upside is not anywhere near Lance and fields, you know, and that's why he's pretty much, he's the QB four in dynasty rookie drafts right now. And for 2020, he is just a guy that he's going to start right out of the gate. I feel like his weapons are solid, but he's still a rookie. Um, so, you know, I'm, I have him ranked as my QB 30. Uh, I have him behind, like right behind guys where Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Tua uh, is, is actually a couple spots ahead of those guys. But like, 
I think he he's going to end up being like Derek Carr ish, you know. And if he gets to be Kirk Cousins, that would be probably really good, you know, for for him. But I think like even on his best day, he's probably going to be you know borderline low end QB two. So for his rookie season, you know, with some nicer weapons, but still not an elite like dominant one like an alpha, right? It's not like they brought in Kenny Galladay, you know, for him. Uh, so that's why like for me, it just caps his upside again. He's a guy that I think when if you took like a uh, back to that same scenario earlier. Like if you took Fields or Lance, you know, you want to prioritize that QB three. If you took like a Cousins or a Roethlisberger or a Tannehill as your QB two, Wilson's a guy that I'm just targeting to be like, hey, he can play twice a year for me, you know, and I have that little bit of depth at my QB three, um, you know, so he's not a guy that I, I'm targeting in super flex leagues or anything like that. I just see him as he's a starter. He's going to play a lot, um, but that's that's really where he's at for me. Yeah, you spoke to the weapons being like such a such a big improvement, and they're helping him out there. But I mean, just the the coaching change alone has to be enormous. <laughs> I mean, Adam Gase, the freaking the fantasy killer, the career killer. Uh, I mean, he 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 just wasn't going to get it done. And you know what? I haven't been haven't been following. Does he have a job somewhere else now? I don't think so. But I mean, I'm sure we would have. Whoever hired him would just get mocked out of the yard. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I'm pretty sure he hasn't been hired anywhere. But yeah. you uh, never know with these guys. I mean, Freddie Kitchens got a job last year. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. Adam Gase's track record is really going to start. I feel like it's going to start following him around at this point. It's not looking as good as the uh, the Peyton Manning days. Uh, but but moving on now, that's enough Jets talk for the day. How about a little uh, a little bit of Eagles? Jalen Hurts, man, he survived the draft. We can put an end to all the doubt. He is the Eagles' starting quarterback, and not only is he the starting quarterback, but Philly went out and they got Jalen, his old teammate out of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith. Uh, and I I thought it was funny how, and I'm sure you've seen these videos, Kyle, but uh, both. Uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, Devonta Smith were asked which quarterback they prefer between uh, I can't oh, it was between Tua and uh, Mac Jones and they both deferred to Mac Jones. Yeah. I don't know if Jalen Hurts' name was <laughs> in that conversation, but I, th- I feel like it's like super awkward how Devonta Smith ends up going with Jalen Hurts and then Jalen Waddle goes with Tua. It's like, yeah. ah, ouch, man, ouch. Yeah, that that's always it's always funny to see when those things come back around. You're like, oh shoot, yeah, that did he did say that. So I, I have Jalen Hurts as my QB ten right now, man. Big time praise. I'm all in on this guy. He's already the QB eleven in our consensus ranking. So can you possibly rank him any higher? Because I don't think I can push him any higher than he is. Yeah, I didn't I didn't move him up. I have him at eleven. Um, so I, I like you know, and but he has a wide range of outcomes still. Like I'm not sold on him yet. But I feel like he's worth taking as my as the QB eleven off the board because if he fails in a one QB league, like you can fall back and go get yourself Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins or Tom Brady or these guys we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, whatever. Like you can definitely find in a two QB league. In all honesty, like my ranking might of him may adjust a little bit. Like I have him one spot above Matthew Stafford. Like if I'm in a super flex league, I might just go Matthew Stafford just so that future me doesn't have to deal with the fallout of Jalen Hurts sucks, you know, but in a one QB league, who cares? You know, that's not your problem. You know, just see how it plays out. He's obviously got the rushing ability, uh, which is why we have him ranked above some of the bigger names. And the fact that he has an added weapon, you know, that's, you got to love that, you know, a top, you know, top 10 pick overall in the NFL draft familiarity there uh, and coming off a hell of a season. So I love the fact that they got Smith for him adds to the, uh, you know, to his weaponry and, you know, first, you know, I hope that they make that connection right away because we all want to see, 
you know, some sort of pass catcher <laughs> from a fancy pr- for fantasy purposes. But uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts made it through all this long process and is still a guy. So you got to have him in the top 12, in my opinion. Prior to the draft, man, I had Matt Ryan as my QB 14. But now, but now that just seems way too low. You and I tossed around this hypothetical a couple shows ago, I think, where, you know, let's say Atlanta makes the move on Kyle Pitts at number four overall. What does that do for Matt Ryan? And I don't know what your take ended up being on that, but I felt like, you know, you've got it's got to push him up, right? When you zoom out and you see that Matt Ryan's dishing out the ball to Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, how does he not th- just automatically throw for 4,500 yards? 5,000 yards maybe? Uh, I, j- I just can't see a scenario where with this kind of weaponry, Matt Ryan doesn't finish as a QB1. And on top of those those weapons, Atlanta's still going to end up rolling out this terrible defense that they had last year uh, that's going to keep them throwing the ball on offense. How much can we expect Arthur Smith to end up running, leaning on the run game when the uh, depth chart pretty much doesn't go any deeper than Mike Davis? Uh, you know, I, I expect big seasons from from Ridley, from Julio, and Pitts, but the Pitts addition is enough for me to move Matt Ryan ahead of uh, Tom Brady and Matt Stafford and Daniel Jones. I slid him in front of Danny Dimes, too. But uh, ultimately, I'm ready to be disappointed, uh, as, as always. <laughs> It's just another year in Falcon fandom, my friend. But um, where do you have Matt Ryan? Did he move up at all when they took Kyle Pitts? Yeah, he was the biggest mover for me right now. And and part of it was because I had guys, I had Deshaun Watson, who I just eliminated from my rankings pretty much. The Aaron Rodgers thing, I bumped, I I actually put Matt Ryan one spot above Aaron Rodgers as of right now, just because, I mean, if if he's in Green Bay come August, you know, I think Rodgers will go back above him. But I ended up moving Matt Ryan all the way up to eight. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that the weaponry is, there we go. That's all those Falcons fans put on their $4 sodas. They love it. I, I, I really, you know, I'm back in and we talked, uh, about a month ago when we went through these rankings and I'm like, I'm done with Matt Ryan. Screw that guy. I'm tired of his seven, you know, point games and I'm done with the dude, but now he's got Kyle Pitts. He's got, you know, three great weapons. As long as Julio stays in Atlanta and everything else kind of pans out. I really, I like, you know, obviously adding that weapon to this offense. They're going to be chasing points a ton. Like you said, they did nothing at the running back position. I don't think there's any reason they need to prioritize the run game here. And I don't know that they'll be able to. So I moved him up. I moved him from that little statue category we talked about in the past with Brady and Stafford. I moved, I moved him even above the two kind of rushing uh, cheat code quarterbacks with, Hurts and Jones. So I moved him at eight overall. Uh, I, I think he's in for a really, really solid season. So, you know, once you kind of get past the, for me, that top seven, it's kind of like, Hey, you know, I'll take whoever guy is kind of last, but you know, if I, if, if all else is even and I'm sitting there around 13 and they're all sitting there like Matt Ryan for me is a guy, it's like, Hey, let's see if this, if this hits, if all this weapons turn into fantasy goodness again, where, you know, what we've seen from him, we just saw inconsistency last year. I have one more quarterback that made a big jump in my rankings, uh, and this might seem like a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, I'm going from QB 16 all the way to QB 11. That's Joey Burrow. Mm. Uh, You know, like I said, you might think, okay, overreaction. All they did, they went out and they got themselves a wide receiver. But Kyle, this is this is not just any wide receiver. And I'll I'll spare you from reading off uh, Jamar Chase's LSU stat line when he was last <laughs> catching passes from Burrow, but just just trust me that it was absolutely nuts off the charts. 
Uh, we saw Burrow attempt 40 passes per game as a rookie, and I still just cannot get over the thought about those targets being distributed between T. Higgins on one side and Jamar Chase on the other. Let's not forget that T. Higgins is a freaking animal. Mm-hmm. He's going to drop down a lot of people's rankings. He's going to be drafted probably later than he should be. But yeah. what he showed as a rookie was, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say phenomenal because I feel like the word phenomenal was kind of taken by Justin Jefferson, but he had a good season. Um, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm all about, I'm on the Jamar Chase train. You and I talked about that before, and I, I think this just does nothing but amazing things for Joe Burrow, especially so long as that defense is going to suck like we know it's going to suck. They're going to be playing from behind, and uh, Burrow passing to, to Higgins and to uh, Jamar Chase, I freaking Love it. Where do you have Burrow in your rankings right now? And I did he move when they took Jamar Chase? He moved up a couple spots for me. He moved to 13. Uh, I still have him behind Matthew Stafford. Um, and again, like I, I stare down at 10 and 11 of my rankings. I have Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. And I just feel sick um, <laughs> looking at those guys because I'm like, man, I don't like them as NFL quarterbacks. But the rushing is makes such a difference. And, and again, maybe like if we're sitting here three months from now and bro is like, he's out there doing everything he should, he's going to be in line. You'd be, you know, if they're saying hundred percent by week one, then I'm, I'm in. And in sewer flex, I'd probably take him over those rushing quarterback guys just to feel a little bit safer about what I have there. Um, but yeah, you got to love the fact. I mean, and I, and I love Tyler Boyd. So like I was a little bit not sad to see chase go there because I think he's going to be a, in an offense going to have to throw the ball a ton. And he's with his, you know, it, the story of being with bro again is awesome. But when you look at Burrow, though, that those three wide receivers, I mean, that's that's right up there with any team in yeah. the NFL. So you know, it's it's you said it. He was throwing the ball more than anybody in the NFL last season before he got injured. That's going to happen again because this team is not going to be good. But the offense hopefully should click a little bit more. So I think Burrow is it's definitely an interesting guy. That again, you just take as your QB one and one QB leagues. I have him at thirteen overall, and if he fails. You can find a warm body somewhere else, right? So, um, but uh, getting Chase the added weapon that that does it for me, man. He went up a couple spots for me. Before we jump into running backs, I think it's worth mentioning that Baltimore went out and they added a couple solid pass catchers in Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace. Lamar Jackson's already quarterback five in my rankings, so not a ton of room for improvement there. But does the addition of those new receiving threats uh, elevate Lamar Jackson in your rankings at all? You you currently have him as QB seven. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't move up for me. Um, I only updated the the other sheet. So I, I have at six technically, but that was because Watson got yanked out of there. I, I think that, you know, it's great. I love the fact that they get another weapon, but you're drafting Lamar for his rushing ability. And if a little bit more passing comes back and he can get you closer to 30 touchdowns, um, you know, then that's, you know, then he's definitely going to be a top end, you know, top six elite quarterback again. Um, but for me, I just don't have enough yet to put him over Russell, who always gets 30 touchdowns every freaking year, and his weapons are solid as well. Um, and he gets you the rushing. So, or, you know, not Lamar rushing, but he gets you 500 rushing yards. So, uh, so for me, yeah, I, I added that here. Like I put, hey, Bateman, great ad. Wallace is, is, is another solid addition as well. Um, you know, but uh, couldn't, I didn't move him up, but I, I feel a little bit more confident in him than maybe I did, you know, three weeks ago. Anyone I missed in quarterbacks uh, that you wanted to talk about before we switch over? No, the only one I, I think I might have alluded to it, but the only one, the guy that I was a little bit disappointed with, and as much as I love Josh Reynolds, I would have loved some weapons for Ryan Tannehill, uh, but they didn't do anything to help him out. So we talked about you know a month or two ago, like bl- our blacklisted players, and Tannehill was on that list um, 
for maybe even both of us. We've kind of both crapped on him for a good 10 minutes. The guy lost his offensive coordinator, lost a lot of weapons. Um, there's a ton of questions for me around Ryan Tannehill and a guy that's finished top 10, you know, in points per game the last two seasons, you know, being the starter for part of the 2019 season. I have him ranked at 16. I'm not overly excited about where Tannehill's at. I think he can give you QB2 season, super flex value is there, but he's just a guy that I was like, man, like Lawrence, Burrow, you know, uh, Ryan was uh, close to him. Like those guys are all clearly ahead of him now. Like I, I feel like Tannehill is, He's reached Kirk Cousins status as far as mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, all right. Going into the running back position. Let's just go right into it, man. Talk about Najee Harris. And I'm going to tell you, I gave him a big boy ranking. You ready oh, for this one? Let's see it. Let's hear it. Let's go. Seasonal leagues. Najee Harris is RB 12. What do you think? 12. Woo. Yeah. Yes, sir. Listen, we know how Mike man. Tomlin likes his backfields. He's going to feature one guy. And that one guy is not going to be Anthony McFarland. And assuming <laughs> Najee, assuming he ends up being the Steelers every down back in 2021, I could care less about this poor offensive line play narrative. I mean, I guess it's not really a narrative. It's, it's, it's more so fact. But at the end of the day, if you're getting all of the work, you're going to be a fantasy relevant running back or better on volume alone. You know, see Joe Mixon, see James Robinson as uh, a better example. Uh, but my personal rankings currently go Austin Eckler at RB9, followed by Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and then Najee Harris at uh, RB12. And I have a feeling that's going to end up being too low of a ranking. Um, I mean, I'm telling you, once the, once, the, uh, once the hype train really starts to take off here, uh, I think we're going to end up getting to the point where we have this conversation where it's, and, and, and I think it's going to be a very real conversation where we are discussing. Uh, are we, are we taking Alvin Kamara or are we taking <laughs> Najee Harris? Oh man. I, Hey, I love, I love the commitment to putting him up that early. And he's de- I think the hype train is going to get rolling because they don't have anybody else there. Uh, you know, I mean, they got Kalen Balaj as a free agent addition, but I think we'll let that one slide. Um, yeah. I mean, and the fact of, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about <clears throat> Harris is a, you know, as a pass catcher is excellent, right? There were a few guys, um, you know, that as I'm listening through all of my rotation of all these, you know, NFL draft, uh, Knicks, you know, talking about this running back class. And there were more, there was more than one person that was praising the pass catching abilities of Najee Harris over Travis Etienne. Um, so I think Harris is a do it all back. He can do it all. You know, you mentioned that the Pittsburgh Steelers like to lean that way anyway. Yeah. It was the absolute perfect landing spot for him. I literally sit there and I just like, I debate between him and the 2020 R- rookie RBs. Like that is just a struggle for me. And right now I have Harris ranked as RB 17. I have him right behind uh, it. 14, 15, 16, 17 for me is uh, CEH acres Dobbins and then Harris at 17. Um, you know, I, I really do think that Harris is going to, he could be a league winner for you if you get him at that value, you know, um, but I do think it's more than likely that he's going to be a second round pick uh, in your redraft leagues. He's a guy that has a ton of upside. And like I said, the landing spot was absolutely perfect dream scenario. Um, so I, I like where you have him ranked. I just don't know if I like him better than those rookies from last year just quite yet. But uh, you got me thinking now. I, I don't know, man. It's tough because let me see. After, after Najee, I have Antonio Gibson. I have DeAndre Swift. And I think for me, it just comes down to the inevitability that Najee is going to have this monster workload. Whereas 
I feel like we're not as sure how things shake out in Detroit with the new coaching staff coming in. They have Jamal Williams, who's touted as a great pass catcher, great pass blocker. Um, even with Gibson, I mean, do we know exactly how his carries are going to be distributed in 2021? And mm-hmm. you know what? And you're right, though, when you say about Najee with not being a value, he's not going to be a value at all in drafts. In fact, that's what I'm saying with RB12 might end up being low. I mean, especially I'm I'm from Pittsburgh. So around here, he's going to be going. As yeah, you RB. ain't getting him. <laughs> No, I'm not getting him around here. He's going to end up going as uh, RB5. But all, all it's going to take is once training camp starts getting underway, there's going to be a few videos out there of Najee Harris catching passes in the end zone or catching passes down the sideline, doing work in the slot. And then that's when the hype machine's really going to take off because uh, then you have the allure of the you know the bell cow who also catches passes. That's when we're going to start having that do that conversation and okay do i want to take camara here or do i want to take Najee harris right now it sounds funny it sounds funny right now on what is today may may 10th but yeah. i'm telling you that's going to be a real conversation come draft season i i, I don't want especially have the Taysom hill thing keeps staying alive you're yeah. not i don't think you're you're far off at all uh and don't forget too like not only is this a great situation for Harris to walk into, he has more draft capital than every single running back from last year. Only CEH was a first rounder, the final right. pick of that first round. Everybody else was mainly round two. Um, uh, yeah, I believe they were all round two, except for Gibson, maybe round three. Regardless, doesn't matter. Uh, Harris, you know, was picked at the twenty fourth pick overall. That was that's a big commitment. That's a guy that's walking into a fantastic situation. That's that's the situation where fantasy owners were, you know, obviously were hoping that he would land as the rumors were swirling and it happened. So, yeah, I think he's a guy that's, you know, if you want him, you better pay up, you know, and he's and he might take your first, he might take your first pick if you're on the back end of that first round, even so. Uh, Travis Etienne, I was not as bullish on for uh, just for seasonal purposes. I have him as RB twenty six. I would have loved to see this guy in a Falcons jersey, man, but fate, oh, yeah. fate just would not have it. Um, I've talked on this show before about how I feel about drafting rookie running backs in seasonal leagues, but just to refresh everyone's memory or for anyone who may have missed that show, uh, we had one of the most talented rookie running back classes in recent memory in 2020. Guys, you know, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Akers, uh, who am I missing? C.E.H. Gibson. Uh, you know, even though all these guys ended up showing out at the end of the year, they were freaking. They were terrible for your. They were cancerous uh, for your fantasy roster for the entire first half of the season. Um, through the first twelve weeks of the season, Jonathan Taylor he surpassed sixty rush yards just twice. Same thing for Cam Akers through twelve weeks, just two games over sixty rushing yards. Through those same twelve weeks, Dobbins saw double digit carries just three times. You know, it's you talked about it's real easy to get all hyped up. And, you know, I, you know, you're not going to hear any arguments from me as far as Travis Etienne being the better talent over James Robinson. I already saw someone on Twitter today posting a thread about how uh, it's not even going to be a competition in camp. He's way better. You know, you've got undrafted free agent James Robinson. It's not even going to be close between him and first round talent Travis Etienne. That stuff doesn't matter to coaches, man. And we saw it last year. Uh, and I talked about this a little bit last episode we did, but I think it's similar to the situation with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, where it's like, okay, no, we obviously know that Jonathan Taylor is the superior talent to Marlon Mack. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. That uh, yet, for some reason, we see them roll out Marlon Mack. We see them roll out Naeem Hines uh, even after Marlon Mack went down. It's just how it goes in the NFL, man. These rookie running backs, the, the coaches like to see you pay your dues, and it's rare to see these guys just come in and get immediate opportunity. 
And I think that's going to be that rare thing that happens with Najee Harris, but I don't think that's the situation with Travis Etienne. So I'm excited to own him in Dynasty because, I, again, I love the talent. I love the pass-catching upside. Uh, I love the Jacksonville franchise as a whole, what they're building on. If he's going to be tethered to uh, Trevor Lawrence for the foreseeable future, I love that. But for this year, I mean, we're, you know, look what uh, I should have brought up DeAndre Swift's uh, start of season stats. They, you know, not I, good. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. Not I, good. I think you, we could see something similar like that to, um, uh, to Travis Etienne this season, where, you know, we there's gonna be a lot of people who start Travis Etienne in week one and then they're crushed when James Robinson goes out there and he ends up taking 60 to 70 percent of the carries. Um, but then you know, I'll be the guy who ends up picking up Travis Etienne week seven when you drop him on the waivers. It's just, I think I'm gonna be hands off for the most part as far as drafting goes. It's, it's hard to get excited about the rookie running back who's in an RBBC. Uh, where do you have Travis Etienne ranked for seasonal? Yeah, I and for me, there's really like there's 19 running backs that I really like, and that and I mentioned Harris at 17. I got Carson at 18, Miles Sanders at 19. I feel really good about that. And then after that, it's like you get in these backs. I'm just like, man, I don't want them. Like, I don't. Their price tag is going to be too high. They're just going to be taken in the in your third or fourth rounds because there's just no one else there. And you know, sometimes yeah, you just got to bite the bullet and make sure you have a, you have bodies. Um, but I actually have ETN at 21. Um, I not, I do, I am concerned of the fact that he's walking in to a situation that's a little bit more crowded than some of the other, um, landing spots that would have skyrocketed him up these rankings. He'd be right there with Harris for me if he landed in, you the know, Falcons. in Atlanta or even New York with the Jets or with Air in Arizona. Like I would have, you know, I, you know, Arizona is a little bit more crowded, but still like to land with in Jacksonville with Robinson. You know, I, I think that when you're looking at ETN, he could be a guy that maybe you're, are we looking at a Kamara Ingram type scenario where, you know, they both saw a lot of, you know, a lot of touches. Um, obviously, Kamara was extremely uh, effective, you know, with his limited touches. You know, can can ETN do that? You know, he was drafted 25th overall for Jacksonville's sake. I hope that he is super uber efficient and can do it on, you know, not needing, you know, 200 and 25 230 carries in a season so i do think there's a world where these guys can coexist um but then that probably means that the the upside's capped with etn i don't know if he has rb1 upside i know he doesn't have rb1 upside like harris you know heading into 2021 but can he be an rb2 and i, and I think if i i take him there i i would draft him as the 21st running back off the board in redraft leagues only if anything just to say like hey i think he has a little bit more upside then the rest of these guys that, yeah, they're probably going to finish between RB20 and RB24, but that's not a difference maker for me. I can, I might be able to find that somewhere else. ETN might carry just a little bit more upside and that I, you know, that I feel like I can cash in on. So I don't, uh, yeah, I didn't love the landing spot. It was disappointing for me just because there were so many other great ones available. Um, but I do think this kid's got a lot of talent and I think he's worth a low end RB2 price. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, you know, even though they're close in rankings, only, four spots apart there there's a definitely a tear gap <laughs> for me between you know these two rookie running backs prior to the nfl draft i had james robinson as my rb12 he has taken a plummet my friend i've got him now banished into rbbc <laughs> land on my rankings I slid, I slid him right behind Josh Jacobs. He's now my RB25. Where do you have James Robinson now? Oh, man, you were still nicer than me. And I had Robinson at 17. 
Um, so I dropped him 15 spots. I have him right now at 32. Oh, the um, dagger. Dude, it but I do feel like, and I own James Robinson on some dynasty leagues, and I was and I just held out and even didn't listen to people like you that told me to sell him off. And it, yeah, you know, I'm definitely out value. But I do think that there again is a world where these guys can coexist. I do think that there is an opportunity for Robinson to try to prove his way with this coaching staff um, early on in the season and could return some nice games early on. And, you know, and I mean, sometimes you get caught up in the fact that like when you draft this team, this sure as hell ain't your team the whole year, you know, in redraft leagues and, you know, who you thought it was going to be your starter all year isn't always, that doesn't always work out. So sometimes when you draft a guy like James Robinson, you're like, you know, shit, if I could get six weeks out of you as my RB two, Man, that's freaking awesome. And if you it falls off the cliff and ETN takes over, like, hey, it is what it is. That's future me's problem. I, I got to figure that out at that, you know, later on. And hopefully there's somebody else that broke out at the running back or flex position or whatever. So I think Robinson isn't dead, you know, but he's definitely just doesn't. It's, it's concerning when you're talking about when you're comparing the draft capital and everything. But the one thing that I will give Robinson over some of these guys that get surplanted by rookie talent that comes in is. Robinson did it all last year. He he was a, showed himself as a great pass catcher as well when given that opportunity. So even though I do think it will might be a little bit more cut and dry that ETN is you know more of the passing downs back and Robinson maybe it's more of his work on those early downs. Like you know if it comes down to it, and Robinson needs to step up and take on a full workload, you know due to injury or whatever, he can definitely do it. You know he's definitely it's not one of those situations where you know it's always going to be two backs if if ETN's out or not, or, you know, being worked in very, very slow, you're going to see Robinson in, you know, on all three downs. So I didn't bury him, but I apparently put him a little bit lower than you. So we'll, we'll see, but uh, you know, it's just, it sucks because man, I would have loved to have both those guys in my top 20, you know, on different squads, but here we are staring them as both as uh, Jaguars. You know, who else has been banished into RBBC land? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon and his RBBC partner, Javante Williams. Uh, I've got Javante right now around, again, I wrote RB30-ish. Just somewhere in that ballpark. Man, this was a confusing pick by Denver, a frustrating pick by Denver that I don't think anyone really saw coming. Uh, But now Javante joining Melvin Gordon in what looks like is going to be Denver's one-two punch on the ground. Um, I mean, it's hard to get excited about this one again, like with ETN, it seemed like there were so many better landing spots. We could have actually seen what Javante had to offer for us, but you know, for what it's worth, Melvin Gordon, you know, and you hate to go down this road, but Melvin Gordon does have, uh, you know, quite the extensive injury history. So there's a very real scenario, I guess, where Melvin Gordon does go down early in the season. And then Javante takes over as presumably the every down back and an offense that really shouldn't suck. I mean, we don't know who the quarterback is, but they shouldn't suck. Uh, Mm. You know, so hypothetical here for you, let's say, you know, and knock on wood, I'm, I'm rooting for you, Melvin Gordon to have a nice productive and healthy season, but let's say Melvin Gordon tears his ACL. Damn. Holy shit. Killing him off already. In training camp, he tears his ACL. Are you uh, are you still taking Najee over Javante Williams? Uh, I would, but he would uh, Williams would undoubtedly be in my top twenty. Then you know, I I mean, I liked. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk about where we ended up ranking. You know, where you have Melvin too. I don't know if I caught it there, but like I had Melvin pre draft, 
as my running back 22. I loved his outlook. Oh, he was going to be a steal. Oh, he was going to be on every freaking one of my teams because no one likes Melvin Gordon. And all this did was just feed into the hype train or anti-hype train, I guess, of Twitter's verse and just hating Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, it, like if there was one guy, I would, you know, there would be a low-end RB2 for me with a little bit of upside there to be maybe a high-end RB2. Um, but with them both there now, it's just tough. But I, I think Memphis has mentioned it on many shows already, and you alluded to it. And when you compared, when you were taking a look back at um, just a moment ago at all those running backs from last year, like a lot of these guys all came on in the second half of the season. You look back, you know, another year when Miles Sanders was the league winner down the stretch. You know, I think Williams could be that guy. Um, so he's a guy that I want to try to get. You know, depending, I haven't done any mock drafts since the for redraft leagues yet, you know, uh, I was, you were getting Melvin in redraft leagues, you know, before the NFL draft in round five. And I was loving that, you know, if you could get Williams in round seven or eight, you know, it may seem a little bit rich, but you know, that's a guy that I wouldn't mind stashing on my team, just seeing how, how it pans out. If he works his way into a nice timeshare, you know, you got to flex. And if, you know, he gets the opportunity down the stretch, I do think that he is a guy that could be a game changer for you. But again, crowded and it just sucks because there's so many other opportunities I would have liked these guys to fall into. Yeah. The Falcons did not get Javante Williams. They did not get Travis Etienne, but they are going to have a running back this year. <laughs> and that running back, ladies and gentlemen, you remember good old Mike Davis. Let's chat oh. about this guy for a minute. Uh, I'm just going to, I'll just tell you right now. I've got him as my RB 15. Oh, RB 15. <laughs> RB15, Kyle, feels a little conservative even given the opportunity that presents itself right now for uh, Mike Davis, who, again, somehow, someway ended up surviving that NFL draft. But I feel like it was just not too long ago. Just last season, we saw Mike Davis take over for Christian McCaffrey as the team's number one running back, and he delivered. RB6 mm. from weeks three through 14. That not, a little, not a little sample size right there. Most of the season. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pound the table uh, for Mike Davis as a talent, but if he's going to be the guy getting the ball on the goal line that I anticipate Atlanta frequently frequenting, yes, frequently sure. frequently frequenting in 2021, uh, then I want that guy on my fantasy team. Uh, a, a buddy of mine was actually giving me shit about Mike Davis the other day, and he referenced Todd Gurley as the example of why the Atlanta backfield isn't this coveted backfield. It isn't so special of a landing spot. Um, so number one, Todd Gurley is the definition of washed at this point in his career. I don't think anyone would dispute that. But number two, regardless of being washed, Gurley was still the RB6 from weeks one through nine before Atlanta shut him down. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 100% due to scoring touchdowns. Absolutely. He had nine rushing touchdowns in nine games. But that's the kind of opportunity that I'm talking about. That's the kind of opportunity that awaits Mike Davis on this, I'll just say, juggernaut offense. You know, we we joked about my Mike Davis ranking uh, a few weeks ago, and we did our initial rankings before the draft. I threw him in there as RB16, and it was like, ha, 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 Jake, you, you wish one day RB16. But here we are now where he's the starting running back in this Atlanta offense. And I ask you, Kyle, how is he not a top 15 running back? He's he's not for me. Um, you know, I had Harris at 17 and they're a tier apart, you know. So um I again I've taken all the sophomore running backs over except for uh except for Robinson, obviously, over <laughs> uh over Mike Davis. So I mean that's there's five guys right there that are gonna clog that up. So now you only have 10 spots remaining, and I just think there's 
obviously a ton of talent at the top, which pushes them down. Um, Davis is that first running back I talked about. I have 19 running backs I really like and I'm excited about. It, Davis is at 20, ETN 21. Um, and then you get in the boring town for me with David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. But I think Davis is a guy that, yeah, he's gonna he's going to be the starter. They there was a report today that you know floated around Twitter like, oh, it's open competition. Like, no shit. That's what they gotta say about every freaking job, you know. And I don't care. You know, there's they did not draft anybody of significance in in this year's draft. They got a bunch of UDFAs. Okay, that's great. And then if you see if I see one more freaking headline that says who's this year's you know, James Robinson, there is no this year's James Robinson. That doesn't always happen every single year. We're not guaranteed a UDFA coming in and taking over the fantasy world. I think that, I think that Davis is going to be completely fine as the, uh, you know, an entrenched as the starter for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, unless they make some big drastic trade, there's nobody else on the market right now that's going to supplant him and they don't need to running back. You should not be committing resources to your running backs. Um, you know, I would have liked them to do that. I would have, but from an NFL perspective, they're doing the right thing. They don't, that's not going to be a, you know, a difference maker position on any squad, but I think for fancy purposes, I have been just RB 20. I do think 15 is a little bit rich, but I definitely see where you're going there. And I bet you that you're going to get him at good value. Unlike what we were talking about earlier with like Harris, you're going to have to pay up and pony up. And if he doesn't hit, then you're out. You know, I think Davis is going to be priced at, you know, it's going to seem a little bit high, you know, just because his name's Mike Davis. But if he, even if he, if he doesn't hit to that level that he did last year, you're, you're still fine. You know, the value is going to be right there. So I like him there inside, just in, just inside the top 20, I guess, tech, you know, at RB20. All right, Kyle, we are at an hour and we've got about one, two, three, four more guys that I wanted to touch on. So let's just do some rapid fire right now here. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Miles Sanders. The Eagles added both Kenny Gainwell in the draft and carry on Johnson off of waivers this past week. Do these moves affect your ranking of Miles Sanders at all? Because I've never fully been a Miles Sanders guy. I've never really been on that bandwagon. But this just gives me that much more pause. And maybe it's Kenny Gainwell more so than carry on Johnson. Uh, he was a guy I liked a lot in, the, in this draft. But what do you mm -hmm. think about these weird running back moves that they're making in Philly? Yeah, I always kind of feel like Sanders is like maybe, and I don't know, maybe it's just the stigma of the Eagles over the years, like that that's going to be a committee. He's not going to get Joe Mixon-esque work, um, you know, which feels weird to say, but like that's kind of how it's played out so far with Sanders. That's why he's the last running back for me in that tier of guys that I, I like. If Miles Sanders my RB2, I feel great about that. I don't think he has the upside that a lot of people see in him. Um, and adding these bodies kind of just, this is what the, this is what the Eagles do. So um, yeah, I, I didn't move him down. I kind of, I kept him right where he was actually, but uh, yeah, I didn't think, I didn't see any reason to move him up. You know, that didn't help, you know. Uh, the Niners took Trey Sermon in the third round, I believe is the fourth running back off the board. Sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh, Sermon, he, he piques my interest in dynasty. I'm just not sure right now how I feel about him in the seasonal leagues. We know that Kyle Shanahan likes to rotate his running backs uh, more recently to the effect of some sort of three-headed monster. Uh, but do you think there's any scenario outside of an injury to Raheem Mostert where Trey Sermon finds his way into like the top 25 running backs this season? Um, and no, not like not on the season. You know, I, I think that he's going to like if he is the guy, whoever the guy, it doesn't matter who it, it could be Jeff Wilson, it could be Joe Smith, it could be generic name Jim. If he's the running back for the San Francisco 49ers, he's a top 24 running back because that's just what they do. Um, but there's just so many bodies, and that's what they do. They drafted another running back in this year's draft as well. So if Trey Sermon right now is hotter than any player coming out of this rookie class, it feels like, 
um, in these rookie drafts. I, I feel like if you got him, sell him now. I don't know that he can, he's ever going to be as good as what he's going for. But for 2020 value, like, yeah, Sermon's kind of, he's outside my top 40. I just think that there's a lot of people there. It's great. His rookie or his long-term value in Dynasty is definitely there because a lot of these guys are no longer going to be on the, on the Niners after this season with Mostert and Wilson and those. And so it's going to open up. But I just think there's no, you know, there's not enough draft capital there for me to feel confident that like, hey, Sermon's getting plugged in. So at some point on a week, a week, uh, you know, certain weeks, yeah, he could be the guy. But on the season, I he's not even near my top 30. The Jets passed on Javante Williams, but they took uh, the second half of North Carolina's one-two punch when they selected Michael Carter in the fourth round. And that's pretty much the end of the line for me with rookie running backs that draw my interest in 2021. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I'm going to draw that line in the sand. Um, and I, I like Michael Carter as a player, but I'm like I said before with Zach Wilson, I, I kind of struggle with the thought of uh, rostering a Jets running back. It's just that whole allure around uh, around the idea of it. But in, in all seriousness, he, um, I'd imagine that Michael Carter has a pretty solid odds of winning the starting job over what Michael P. Ryan or is Tevin Coleman still on that roster? Yeah, technically. Uh, yeah, technically, uh, this looks like it's going to be Michael Carter is going to get a chance to run away with this job. And I mean, if the, if it's his job and they announce him as the RB one, where do you like Michael Carter in seasonal leagues? Yeah, I have him right now. I've been RB thirty four, but that's definitely going to change because I have a lot of these running back. I have these backfields that I'm a little bit uncertain. You know, I have like Fournette up above him right now. I have Melvin Gordon above him right now. I have the Cardinals guys technically ranked above him, like. Those some of those will kind of work their way down. Um, because I do think Carter's going to be the guy there, he's going to get the lion's share of the work. I don't see the upside, you know, with him. You know, like if Javante Williams was there, that you know, I'd be treating this completely different. I think Carter's a guy that he's just going to see a ton of touches, volume equals production and fantasy. That's great. Um, so he's a guy that you have to, you know, pay attention to, but I'm not overly excited, you know, about him. Um, and as yeah, like you said, it's weird to be considering Jets. And when you're looking at these rookie drafts right now from a dynasty perspective, you got three Jets going like the top, you know, 18 overall. It just feels so gross and super flex. But uh, Carter is going to be a guy that I think out of all of the Jets rookies, he's going to have the most impact um, in redraft leagues this year. And, you know, and I think rightfully so drafted, you know, as the highest Jets player off the board. The last player I've written down here impacted from the 2021 rookie draft, Miles Gaskin. I had him previously ranked as my RB 28 prior to the draft because I was just anticipating Miami using some of that early draft capital on a running back. I just, I, it seemed like the move to me, uh, but it looks like they're fully prepared to let Gaskin be their guy in 2021. So that being said, I mean, I'm going to have a hard time keeping him outside of my top 20. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I had him at 28 as well. I moved him up a few spots. I have him at 25. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and he was, dude, he balled last year. Like at the, those last few weeks, man, he was so good. Yeah. Um, so like it's it's tough. Like and it's we can again only, just the we name. You really assume that offense is gonna be better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have they added some weapons. You would hope, you know, that it should be better. I don't know. I just those situations where I guess I haven't really really just come to grips here. Like, why didn't you just add somebody here? Right. But um, like I like Gaskin way above Michael Carter. You know, I, th I think that's, you know, clear cut. Um, and it, he's going to be a guy that's going to get touches and he's shown that he could do a lot, you know, for, uh, as far as, you know, he's not just a first and second, you know, pound into the, you know, the line and get three yards type of guy. Like he can contribute in the run game, in the passing game. Um, 
you know, so yeah, he's just outside the top 24 for me, but he's definitely a guy that I'd like, you know, if I'm walking away and I committed some resources to wide receiver early and I get Gaskin in round six as a flex, I wouldn't mind that, but I just, I, I, unfortunately, I think people will take him a little bit earlier than that. Tell me this, Mr. Kyle month eight. Did I forget any running backs? Uh, no, I mean, honestly, I met, I kind of alluded to it, but like the Cardinal situation was when I was kind of hoping it got addressed. It didn't. Um, so that was another situation where I kind of moved some guys up just by default. Cause it didn't add anybody saying that Houston didn't have any draft capitals. I wasn't really expecting them to do anything either. Um, even though they still took a QB with their first pick and then took a wide receiver, with their second pick. Um, but they didn't address the position either. So David Johnson, Philip Lindsay live another day. There's a lot of these names that are going to seem very boring, but someone's going to come out of this job and, and be a flex option for you, at least for the first few weeks of the season. So we'll see how those ones shake out, but yeah, as of right now, man, I think you nailed them all. Um, those were the guys that I think were most affected. And some some I was really disappointed, but excited about others because I think, like you mentioned with Harris, we got a potential RB1 now added to the fold. Well, tell you what, I'm excited next week to get into the wide receivers and a little bit more Tim Tebow talk, I'm hoping, at the top of the hour. I'm hoping he survives to next week, to be honest. But, uh, man, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, I believe our boy Memphis is going to be recording the Warzone a day early, so he's going to be on here later. So if you're... If you're watching us live, keep hanging out on the Dynasty Boards on YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Turn those notifications on. You'll get alerted to when Jake and I are booting up on Monday night, usually around 7 o'clock Eastern time. We are a little bit earlier than Memphis burning that midnight oil over there on the war zone. But again, stay subscribed. Appreciate you guys checking out today's show. Like Jake said, we're going to be back next week talking wide receivers. I think there's a lot of interesting names because I think unlike some of these running backs, I think some of these wide receivers might not – they're not going to be as high. You know, they're they're great dynasty picks right now. We're pumped to draft on rookie drafts. But when I was going through some wide receiver rankings, I'm like, man, we're going to have to kind of go down the board a bit for me anyway um, when we're talking about these guys. But, uh, yeah, man. So looking forward to that. Uh, appreciate you guys. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. You got to do that. That way you can keep up to date with all his Jake leagues. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. We'll catch you guys next week for some running for some wide receivers and tight ends. 